the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. podcast that's it that's here right now it's episode 103 with the radio misfits podcast network how's everybody doing happy new year it is a brand new year it is 2023 um and i had a terrific 2022 because i started this podcast almost a year ago we're a couple of weeks away from the actual one year anniversary of uh, the beginning of this podcast it's been a fun year and we're going to continue to do it and have a great year happy 2023 to everyone uh, today is the first Tuesday of the month. It's also the first Tuesday of the year. Uh, but the first Tuesday of the month, uh, every episode is a For the People episode. And this is a For the People episode. Herb Weisbaum, who is our consumer man, who will help you with any consumer problems or questions. You're worried about getting scammed. You're worried about keeping your money safe. You're worried about consumer issues in general. Herb is your man. And he will join me, followed by Tom Appel. Uh, Tom Appel is going to be with us as well. He is our car guy with uh, Consumer Guide Automotive. Uh, Car questions, car concerns, need repairs, need a lease, need to buy, any kind of uh, car-related news stories, reviews of new cars, Tom's your guy. So Herb, Tom, it's a For the People episode. Uh, Esmeralda has this episode off. She has the next episode off, too. Uh, The next episode is going to be dedicated entirely to the year in film, 2022. So we're just going to do the entire show is going to be that. Uh, dedicated to uh, the best and worst movies of 2022 with Eric and uh, and Steve. So that's the next podcast. So uh, that's what's coming up uh, here. My dad's going to call in and tell a joke or call in. He's going to come in and tell a joke. He'll have to put this one out of the way. And I love Nick's show. I know. You're going to have to make, the way, make, for the, make way for my dad when he Hi, comes. Hi, I'm Carrie Russell. And I, know. I love Nick's show. That's right. It's the Nick D Podcast. Hey, you want to be a sponsor on the podcast? Advertise with us. We reach a lot of people. Check us out. Uh, say, hey, I want to be a sponsor. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. You want to leave a message for us? 24-7, we encourage every single one of you to call anytime you want and leave a voicemail. 773-417-6948. We listen to every voicemail and play a lot of them back on the podcast. So leave your voicemail message now at 773-417-6948. Drop us an email with any questions, any comments, anything at all. NickDPodcast at gmail.com. And if you would like to... Uh, leave a, a message for the megaphone message. If you want your message to be sent out through the magic megaphone, <laughs> leave your request and your directions to me. And that is uh, send them to the email at nickdpodcast at gmail.com. We're not going to do a megaphone message today. Uh, it's a For the People episode. We're not going to do one the next time either. Uh, we'll do the next megaphone message when Esmeralda is back. So, But keep those things coming in. My thanks to Jason Skaggs. Take time to rate and review us on every platform, as you should do for every single podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Take the time. Rate, review us. We want your feedback. Hey, get your butt out to Zanies on January 17th, Tuesday, January 17th. You can see me and Esmeralda live on stage. We'll meet. We'll hang out. We are going to do a full show 
great topics. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We are going to make you laugh. It's going to be hilarious. It's going to be interactive. You will be a part of the recording of a live podcast, which will be an episode. Uh, so please come out. Uh, our special guest is Dwayne Kennedy, one of the funniest people on the planet, one of the most legendary stand-up comedians here from Chicago, Emmy Award winner. He's going to be on stage with us. My dad's going to close the show by telling some jokes at the end. Uh, we got great prizes to give away, dinners and uh, apt electronics uh, gift cards and some swag. We got some exclusive Nick D podcast swag just for our listeners and the people who show up. Um, you could win uh, some Nick D podcast uh, T-shirts some Nick D podcast coffee mugs and the t-shirts are made by our, our folks at uh, the basement custom shirts. Uh, and that's uh, Ron and Jackie. They were kind enough to say, Hey, we're going to make a bunch of t-shirts for you. And we're giving them away exclusively on uh, January 17th at Zany's. Please check out my basement dot biz. Uh, the basement custom shirts are located at 4723 South Ashland in Chicago. I want to thank Ron and Jackie for providing the incredible high quality, amazing Nick D t-shirts that we're giving away. Uh, 773-247-5559 if you want to call them up or check them out at mybasement.biz. My thanks to Ron and Jackie for the exclusive Nick D podcast t-shirts. And you can only get them so far. We might be selling them a little bit later on. But right now, as of now, the only way you can get them is if you show up at Zany's and uh, you could possibly walk out with one. We're going to give a bunch of them away that night. But the show's going to be great. It's going to be hilarious. You're going to have a great time. And tickets are on sale now. Rosemont.zanies.com. Let's pack the place and have a great time. We're going to do this every month. And hopefully you guys will come out every month. When we did it in November, we had a great time and everybody was there. Loved it. And we want more people to show up every single time we do it. Tuesday, January 17th. Live, hilarious, brilliant comedian Dwayne Kennedy on stage with us. Giving away a whole bunch of swag and all kinds of really cool prizes. Tuesday, January 17th at Zanies in Rosemont. 847-813-0484. 847 813 Tuesday, January 17th, Zanies and Rosemont, Nick D Podcast Live, rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now. All right. Hey, um, I am going to start with Herb Weisbaum. It's for the people. It's for you. And I say congratulations. Congratulations. You're about to listen to the Nick D Podcast. It's by far the best decision you've made today. It makes the other podcasts seem like crap. Oh yeah, don't be a jagoff. Herb Weissbaum is the Consumer Man. Yes, he is your hero when it comes to consuming the Consumer Man. Oh, yes, Herb is your man. Yes, he is. He's the Consumer Man, and he is Herb Weissbaum. You can check him out. Uh, he is the Consumer Man on your social media. You can check out uh, ConsumerMan.com. And also Checkbook.org is where he writes and does a lot of uh, articles for. He's been covering the world of uh, consumer uh, issues for many, many, many years. And he's been a part of my old radio show and now my podcast. And he's Herb Weisbaum. Herb, welcome. Hey, Happy New Year, Nick. Happy New Year to you, too. Thank you for uh, doing this. It's the first show, my very first podcast of 2023. And I couldn't think of a better way to do it than to launch the year with you. Excellent. You know, I love to be with you. And uh, after decades of consumer reporting, I'm still enjoying helping people. That's right. And people can check out. Uh, first of all, tell everybody about uh, checkbook.org. 
Sure. Checkbook.org is a nonprofit that rates services in seven major cities across the country, Chicago, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Seattle, San Francisco, Boston, Philly, and Washington, D.C. We're like the Consumer Reports of Services. So while they rate like pain and siding and uh, stains and appliances, we rate the services. We rate the repair people and the dentists and the doctors and the veterinarians and the kennels and that sort of thing. Completely independent, no advertising. We base it on mystery shoppers as well as our subscribers in those various areas uh, i write a story for them a week for the uh, consumer uh, notebook section and i also do the podcast consumerpedia which we do every other week and by the way we just did an interesting one that i think you might listen to nick if i may do a quick plug of course i spoke to bob costas uh legendary sportscaster for the uh the, not this one but the one before it about social media and why social media is anti-social and Bob, mm. I don't know if you know this, Bob was my roommate in college at Syracuse University. I did know that, yes. <laughs> and uh, Bob has a lot of thoughts about this. He uh, did on his HBO show, uh, the whole show about the whole Kyrie Irving thing and the tweeting the uh, anti-Semitic movie link. And yep. it was a very fascinating conversation about you really do need to own when you, uh, when you share something on social media or retweet. It's like saying... I endorse this. I want you to look at this. I want you to read this. It's not enough to say, oh, I just clicked retweet and didn't know what I was doing. So anyway, if you're interested, it's a fascinating, a little different. We call it how to be a good consumer of social media. That's ah. on. You can find it at consumerpedia.org. But uh, we had a good time talking together. That sounds great. Yeah, uh, Bob uh, Pro, such a, such, a, such a great broadcaster and such a great interviewer, too. A really cool guy. Yep. That sounds that sounds fantastic. Yeah. And checkbook.org, everybody check it out. And by the way, you were you you and everybody at checkbook.org is very nice to my subscribers, to my listeners by providing uh, a special deal and a free link. Tell tell yes. tell everybody about how they can take advantage of that fun stuff. Sure. If you'd like to get a 30-day free trial subscription and you live in one of those seven cities I mentioned, just go to checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast and you can get the ratings for the various things that we've rated for free. Uh, and anybody else, all of our advice that's on there, Nick, and you know, every section has it advice on every topic i mean plumbers and electricians and drywall and whatever there's plenty of free advice but if you want the ratings you have to be a subscriber but your audience gets a free 30-day trial subscription checkbook.org slash nick d podcast check it out and we hope you'll like it and maybe subscribe okay all right there you go checkbook.org slash nick d podcast it's that simple take advantage of that exclusively for my for my subscribers and listeners and we appreciate that herb that's very nice of you we love you nick you know that seriously oh all right, well, let's get into it. Uh, we love to talk about consumer issues and help everybody out. And again, uh, at any time, if you guys want to uh, send us you know, your questions that I can give to Herb, uh, you know, the next time he's on with us, uh, you can send an email with a question for Herb, nickdpodcast at gmail.com, or you can leave it as a voicemail, 773-417-6948. Let's jump right into it. It has been, have you, Herb, in all the years that you, because you travel a lot, you've uh -huh. You have been covering the world of consumer issues, and you've been in this business for a very long time and travel, like I said, a lot. Have you ever seen anything as crazy as what's been happening in the past couple of weeks? I mean, um, I, I don't know if I've seen it, if I've seen anything this nuts. Uh, obviously, we've seen you know, uh, cancellations and, and horrible things that have happened uh, while you're traveling on the airlines. And, and obviously, you know, it's always hectic during the holidays. But what yep. happened with Southwest and what's been going on with the, all the flights and everything? Um, but just in general, I mean, hasn't this just been a really intense time for travel? 
Yeah, it's been it's been horrible this whole holiday travel season. I was in something individually that was a nightmare. I got trapped. My wife and I and my photographer when I was with CBS got trapped in a nor'easter in Boston at Logan Airport, and it was that that was when there were no cell phones and you had to make yeah, long distance yeah. calls with a credit card and the vending machines ran out of food oh. and we were carrying twelve boxes of TV gear with us and it was a, a nightmare on Elm Street. Let me tell you, oh, but system wide. I don't think I've seen anything like this. And the problem is that the system basically at the peak times is at or above capacity. And so when something like this happens, there's no slack in the system. While they will try to get you on the next flight or another flight, that can be days now because the flights are all booked. It's not like in the old days where there was plenty of slack or they put on extra planes. There's there's a limit on the planes, a limit on the crews. So when something goes wrong, it's this gigantic ripple effect. And this happened all across the country, basically, this moving storm all at the same time. I mean, Southwest had its own problems with its crew situation. But then seeing the pictures of the luggage. I mean, I've seen shots of airports during a snowstorm or something where there's one airport. But all these airports with the bags and bags and bags of luggage. I mean, it was absolutely unbelievable to, to see this. Yeah, this yeah. was a system failure. It really was. I've never seen anything like it. I don't travel, you know, uh, that often, and I've never been, you know, uh, I've never been in a business that would, re- would require me to do a lot of traveling. So my traveling right. is just whenever I feel like traveling, never yeah. for business or anything. And uh, but I, you know, obviously I'm aware of what's going on in the world. I've never seen anything like this. I yeah. I, I, I I watched this on television. I was like, I can't even imagine. What an unbelievable nightmare this must be for everyone involved, not just the travelers, but for the people who are trying to run the airline, for the people who are working at the airport, for everyone involved. This is a nightmare. And some people gave up and got together strangers and rented vans and drove to their destination for two or three days because they knew that was faster than sticking at the airport for three or four days. I mean, families that lost, you know, their vacation and the money they had put down on rooms and people crying people missing weddings people missing christmas and and the new year's celebrations and it was just and and of course the airlines uh you know the staffing the, the line to talk to the customer service agent was like you know around the whole airport yeah. you couldn't get on the phone people reporting on eight ten hour uh waits on the lines i mean that the entire system just completely melted down and i have no idea you know the department of transportation says they're gonna you know take this and and learn from this and etc but you know we'll talk about some of the specific regulation in a second but really there's not a whole lot of regulation of the airlines anymore you know we deregulated the airlines decades ago and they're sort of basically on their own and uh you know there are there are few punishments and few rules that uh, regulate this whole thing so while we complain and while people say i'll never fly southwest again I saw a whole lot of experts say people are just saying that, you know, if you have to get somewhere and, you, and the airline's a good price, you're going to fly again. My advice is if you're traveling for the holidays, especially uh, vacation season or the winter, you know, don't cut it close. Book it two days out because there could be delays at that time of year. Just try to do what you can to get a few extra vacation days or whatever, because yeah. if, if there is a problem like this. There's no making it up. You either make the flight or you don't make the flight. And if you got to be somewhere at something, don't cut it that close anymore. The airlines just don't have the slack to handle it. Yeah. Well, well, uh, because of all of this craziness that's been going on, obviously there are a lot of questions out there. And the question is, um, you know, I mean, what about compensation for the people who have had to deal with this, the, this, the, the flights being canceled, the horrible things that happened around Christmas, what is it that consumers can do? I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of questions that people have about what's the next step for, for that kind of stuff. Yeah. And by the way, I'd like to give you an overall thought. And this is really important. And I don't know if a lot of people realize this. While the airlines want to get you to your destination on time, 
They don't guarantee their schedules. I mean, the schedule is if we can get you there, this is the airline schedule. And in the U.S., airlines that operate here are not required to provide compensation when flights are delayed or canceled, such as, you know, giving you something extra for your inconvenience or whatever. So that that's only required when you're bumped from an airplane. They have to give you specific compensation. But let me run down a couple of the things. So that's please, just I mean, the overall, like, yeah, here's how we view our system in this country here. Um, if the airline canceled the flight for any reason whatsoever, they will try to first rebook you on another flight if you want to go on that other flight. But as I said, uh, with few seats available, it may be many days. They are not required to put you on another airline's flight. They used to do that in the old days. They had interline agreements. But again, those airlines are all booked up too. So they may try. If you ask if you're a, a high-level traveler, they may do that for you. But again, they're not required to do that. So if they cancel that flight, if your flight does not take off for any reason, whether it's weather, whether it's equipment, staffing issues, air traffic control problems, whatever the reason, and you choose to cancel your trip, in other words, I don't want to wait three days to get out of here, whatever, I'm done, I've had it, you are entitled to a full refund for any unused portion of that ticket, even if it is a non-refundable ticket. The airline must give you your money back for the ticket and any fees you paid, Nick, such as baggage fees, seat assignment fees, any special fees you paid. It's not optional. It is required by DOT regulations. That is the one thing that is required. If they cancel your flight and you want the money back, they have to give you your money back. Hmm. Period. Bottom line. End of story. Well, that's good. I get, that's, a, that's a good thing, then. And, 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 and are they letting – do, do people actively know this or do they have to seek out – you know, uh, help in finding it out, like from you. Is this is this being advertised? Who, do people know this that they can we've do this? Done a lot of, we've done a lot of stories about it, but from talking to people who were stranded in the uh, the Southwest situation, I don't think a lot of people know this. A lot of people couldn't even reach a customer service person to find out what was going to happen. They just took off and figured they're going to deal with it later. You know, they just got bugged out of there because they weren't going to wait eight hours in line to talk to somebody. So this is very very important. And the reason I bring it up is because in many t cases the airline will offer you vouchers or miles. They'll say, hey, if you wanna, don't want to go on this flight, we'll offer you a, you know, a voucher for future travel or miles. And um, that's something you really need to think about very, very carefully. Consumer advocates are very concerned about that because in most cases, they don't say, we'll give you your money back if you want it, but would you like miles or a voucher, which they say should be required. They want the airlines to say, okay, the flight's canceled. You, we are required by law to give you your money back if you want it. But if you prefer a voucher or if you'd prefer miles, we will give that to you. They usually don't say that. That's not the standard procedure. They'll just say, hey, we'll give you a voucher for anywhere we fly in the 48 continental United States or whatever. My advice is think really carefully before you accept a voucher. You want to find out, you know, there could be uh, there could be a blackout period. They could expire. There could be seat restrictions on what you do. Uh, there could be a great advanced booking that is required. You mm -hmm. might not be able to get the flights you want. My logic is get the money, bud. Get the money, honey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want the yeah, money. Yeah. If you get the money, you can do anything you want. That you a voucher after book that yeah. airline. Maybe yep. you don't want to book with the airline again, or they don't go where you're going next time or whatever. Get the money back and do whatever you want with the money. And, and that's the safest way that I can suggest. Uh, some people want the travel vouchers, but uh, they're just strings attached to that and just be, be aware of that.
So uh, skip the voucher, basically, and get the cash or the money, that's at least. What I would that's do. What yeah, that's okay. what I would do. Absolutely. Now, what about, is there anything specific that's different? Because these are just in general, these are these are things that have happened in, in, in horrible situations. But is there anything about compensation specifically to do with Southwest and what happened there? Well, Southwest has said that it is going to bend over backwards to be generous to people. It needs to for customer service rela- you know, reasons, for PR reasons. They're going to bend over backwards to help people. And they have already said that they will help them get compensation if they had to do something like stay at a nearby hotel or take a cab to get uh, you know, accommodations or the food they bought or that sort of thing. So that's not necessarily standard operating procedure. Uh, the airlines aren't required to give you food vouchers or hotel room or a cab fare or anything if you find yourself stranded at the airport. They all have their own policies some of them will do certain things some of them weren't but they aren't required to do that so southwest is actually bending over backwards to make sure it makes people happy again my advice would be don't go crazy with this kind of thing i mean i don't think they're gonna i i don't think most airlines would reimburse you if you decided to spend the night at the four seasons hotel in the penthouse suite uh they <laughs> might uh, reimburse you with no problem if you stayed at the you know the uh, motel six near the airport but uh, and again, for luggage, uh, by regulation, they owe you $3,800 for lost luggage, up to $3,800 for lost or damaged luggage. If you have something really valuable in there, which you shouldn't put in the first place, you needed to claim it at the front end and say, take out a special policy. I got jewelry in there or something like that. But again, you know, uh, most airlines will question you like, really, was your suitcase and the stuff inside really worth $3,800? Southwest, again, may cut you some slack. Uh, I would say if you have receipts, any kind of receipts uh, that's going to help you if you had a taxi cab fare, a hotel room, meals, uh, that will help you get through the process a whole lot more quickly. Uh, but again, just don't try to go too uh, hog wild because that may slow things down if they challenge uh, what you really put in for this thing. But that's sort of where we stand with this. Uh, it's interesting. You know, Obviously, this is unprecedented in terms of just how much of it happened, how quickly and how widespread it was i mean just absolutely nuts but this is something you know that you uh particularly have been talking about and covering for for a very long time uh and 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 you have been talking specifically about this at checkbook.org writing articles about it about what you say is a broken airline system and um you've talked a little bit in the past about how the advocates want the department of transportation to do something about it to fix the broken airline system is there anything updated or things that you want to emphasize uh, about that Well, I think one of the things that they really want uh, fixed is with a a significant flight delay. You know, it says the the DOT says the airlines must give you some kind of compensation like the meals or the hotel rooms or whatever. If there's a significant delay uh, in your flight. But it very clearly says in the DOT rules and regs that we haven't defined what significant delay is. Um, You might start with that. (laughs) If if they owe you compensation when there's a significant delay, you you might just define what a significant delay is. I mean, is it four hours? Is it six hours? Is it, you know, next month? Uh, I think that would be a, a really good place to start. They're also concerned with in past situations, uh, one, uh, one member of Congress has said that he believes, based on his committee hearings, that the airlines owe $10 million in compensation to people who had their flights canceled during the pandemic and were not offered uh, the full refund that they had for their flights. Uh, and so far, uh, only one airline has had uh, a penalty. Uh, nobody else has had penalties. And the big airlines uh, did a lot more than the little airline that was fined. And they're saying, like, uh, OK, if you're going to be tough, let's let's find them. Let's make it clear that you got to give the people their money back and and can't hold on to this thing. So they 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 believe and their words basically are they've called the DOT a paper tiger that, uh, you know, Secretary of State Buttigieg talks. He says the airlines will be held accountable. 
But uh, basically, they say that not a whole lot has been done to hold the airlines accountable. In many cases, European airlines, the EU airlines have much stricter regulations, specific things that the airline must do for you. If the flight is canceled, you're stranded at the airport, there's a delay. It's not like if they want to. Um, the, I to, we talked before about how the uh, DOT has this dashboard, this customer service dashboard that right. it pulls that tells you what the airlines say they will do if there's a problem. And that, again, is a may. We may do this. You know, we hope to do this. If we can, we'll try to do this. But there's nothing guaranteed. You know, they say, why doesn't the DOT require them to put these promises into their contracts that they, you know, when you buy a ticket, you've signed a contract with the airline. Put this in that contract and say, if there's a delay, we will do this. We will give you a voucher. We will put you in a hotel room if the delay is more than 12. Whatever it is, make it not a, we'll try, if we can, put it as we will. That's what they're asking for. But uh, good luck with that one. They have been trying for years to do that, uh, and it hasn't happened yet. And you've you've spoken in the past with people like uh, advocacy groups like uh, Travelers United or the National Consumers League about yep. this. Um, uh, wh- what do you think that they're they're up to now? I mean, are, are they are they helping out? Are they trying to take some steps to get something done, especially after what a disaster the holiday season has been? Well, they're still continuing to push. I know one thing that Travelers United is pushing for, and they've been pushing this for years. It seems to make sense. Is that how about we standardize all the vouchers from the airlines? If you decide to get a voucher, how about you don't have to go and read all the fine print that you know if you accept an voucher, a voucher from a U.S.-based airline, that it's going to be like it's good for a year, doesn't it have blackout day, whatever it is, that the rules are all across the board so we know. Uh, or how about it doesn't expire? You know, cash money doesn't expire. How about if you decide to take a voucher, it doesn't expire? Uh, those are some little steps that I think could be taken or they think that could be taken. And I agree with them that could maybe make this more customer friendly uh, for the travelers. Right now, basically, the airlines, you know, they're in the driver's seat and the passengers in a squishy little seat <laughs> with no leg room. And, uh, you know, they would like to see a little bit more level playing field where the passenger has a few more rights. Uh, I, I hope they're going to do this. But again, you know, the regulations, Nick, takes so long. It's probably two years from start to finish. Uh, the DOT has a few regs in the pipeline, but it takes, you know, two years from start to finish. We could have another administration in at that time that doesn't really care about passenger rights like the previous administration didn't care. So that's a, that's a, that's a real problem. If you don't start at the beginning of the administration, uh, odds are it's not going to get finished or may not get finished by the end of the administration. Mm-hmm. I would tell people, if you're concerned about this, you had that nightmare in, in, nightmare in, uh, in this travel season, write your representatives in Congress and write the DOT and let them know, as they said in that movie, you're mad as hell and you're not going to take it anymore. And tell, you know, members of Congress fly a lot. And if they hear from their constituents that this is just nonsense, we're not going to take it anymore. Maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll do something and push uh, push the, the regulators to do something to help travelers get a little bit more fairness here. Yeah, you would think that that you know because uh, these people do travel, as you mentioned a lot. But you know some of the some oh. of the higher ups, but the, some of the higher ups don't travel the same way that we do. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? So they don't they don't deal with the kind of crap that uh, like regular people who don't have, you know, millions of dollars in income. Uh, uh, they travel completely differently than we do. Like, Congressman, can we please uh, help you here? But when the whole system is shut down like this, you can't move a Congress member to the front of the line. There is no line. And so uh, maybe they got a little taste uh, of what the other people were dealing with. We'll see. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll obviously, you keep an eye on all of that stuff as you do at sure. consumer at uh, at uh, it, on your on consumerman.com and at checkbook.org. And there are many articles. One of which is about uh, the broken uh, airline system that actually dates back f- uh, some months. Uh, you you you. You can go back. I mean, that that article, the one I was looking at right now, was you know updated like four months ago, and yeah. and it's still an issue. <laughs> it's still a huge a, issue. A really yeah. great podcast on there where we talk to one of the consumer advocates, and he doesn't pull any punches. I mean, he he calls it the way he sees it about how the airlines are taking advantage of people and how we need some rights here to level the playing field. Okay, I will obviously. Uh, Keep an eye on that, as they always sure. do at checkbook.org, and you can always check out consumerman.com. Uh, and your uh, your 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 uh, Twitter is the consumer man. You are that's right. what you're known as at uh, yeah. the yeah. consumer man. Okay, cool. Yeah. So if uh, people are traveling, uh, just be patient. <laughs> or sign up for my newsletter. If you go to consumerman.com, we got the free newsletter. You'll get up to date on everything I do. The podcast, uh, the uh, I put Nick's D show on when I'm on. We you get once a week you get a free newsletter from me. So no, we don't share, sell, or rent the mailing list. The only people who know it are me and my dog who helps me put it together. And uh, you can feel safe that I won't uh, give it to anybody else. Yeah, I was going to say, your dog's not going to say anything. Don't worry about that. Oh, Sam had a birthday. He was Sam. 12 years old. Sam, the man, had a 12. He's 12 years old now. Oh, uh, well. Sits right next to me while we're doing these things. Sits in his little bed. And if I do a good job, he wags his tail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you don't do a good job, he leaves a little uh, treat. for uh, you. <laughs> Uh, so that's consumerman.com. If you actually want to sign up for that newsletter, it's free. You should do that. And Herb is here to help you out. All right. Uh, the holidays have passed. I hope that you had a, a wonderful holiday season, Herb, uh, a, a great Hanukkah, a great Christmas, a great New Year's. How was that for you? Was it good? Yeah, we did. We saw some friends. We stayed close by. Uh, the weather here was horrible. You know, in Seattle, we had ice storms and everything. It was absolutely unbelievable. And I grew up on the East Coast, so Philadelphia, and I went to school at Syracuse. I'm used to dealing with that crazy weather and the ice storms, but we were shut down. I could not take Sam for a walk because his legs didn't know where to go. There was mm-hmm. nothing but ice outside my house. Couldn't even go to walk to the mailbox for two days. It was beyond belief. Shut the city down. It was yeah. it was just crazy time. But other than that, if you stayed home and we had some friends and uh, had some things and that had some nice food and it was it was very very enjoyable so well, thank cool. you well yeah one of the one of the things is there's always questions you i, I assume like right after uh, right after christmas and the holiday season that there are always questions that the consumer man gets uh based upon like uh some of the stuff that we want to talk about here like obviously yep. gifts that you get returning gifts toys and in this day and age some of the other things uh, that we want to get to just like returning gifts and what what goes into that. But sure. the first thing I wanted to talk about was a story that you that you had uh, right before Christmas was um, about kids smart toys. Now, I, I, I am a little freaked out by technology, uh, Herb. I'm not going to lie to you. Yep. Uh, and smart toys kind of freak me out. And when I see a headline like uh, that you had at checkbook.org that says, are your kids smart toys spying on them? I need to talk about that now because I'm scared. Oh, good. I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's why I, that's why I brought it up. So smart toys are a thing. And I'm sure that, you know, uh, over the past couple of weeks that uh, there have been packages opened all across the country that had smart, uh, smart toys in them. What was this story about? And give us the latest. They have really grown uh, exponentially in popularity with both the kids and their parents because they're cool to both parents and kids. You know, parents see these things. They go, wow. And the kids are growing up on technology. But if these things have voice recognition or use artificial intelligence or are connected to the Internet, as most of them are, to be smart toys, the cameras and the microphones and the sensors create all kinds of privacy and security issues. And these are just not pretend or make believe or could be scenarios these have actually happened in some cases as we as we pointed out here and they're collecting a lot more data 
uh, on children than the parents may realize. We contacted the folks at the U.S. Perg Education Fund. That's a big uh, consumer group, uh, consumer advocacy group back in Washington, D.C. They come out uh, with, uh, with toy stuff every year. This is one of two reports. This is called Don't Sell My Data. That's a, a campaign they have. And they were pointing out to parents that if the dollar, the robot, or the action figure, whatever it is, is connected to the Internet, it may collect information on you and your child that the manufacturer can use or share with other people to market to the child. And, you know, toys, these toys aren't just toys. Kids think they're toys. They think they're talking to their friend, the toy, or the game, video game that's talking to them. But that toy could be listening and collecting a lot of information. And parents really know, uh, really know, you know, what the, what's going on here. Um, the report ran down some of the top concerns that they had. Um, I'd like to share them with you if we can do that. Yeah, of course. So number one is data collection. You know, they can they can uh, do location collection, which I think for you would be creepy enough to know where the kid is. But if it's a conversational toy, they can interact with the toy and solicit personal information, such as ask the child, hi, how old are you? When's your birthday? What's your nickname? What school you go to? Uh, again, that's collected by maybe the software company behind this or the toy manufacturer, possibly shared with companies that could market to your kid. The report that I talked about cited a toy called Fuzzable Friends. That's a line of internet-enabled plush animals, Nick, that uh, work with uh, Amazon Alexis. They use Bluetooth to connect to Amazon's Alexa to be smart. And they're cute. There's Fluffy the bunny and Sparkles the unicorn and Cubby the fox. Uh, but the software company that created the brain power behind this and brings these furry characters to life states in its privacy policy, if you were to read it, that it receives transcripts of children's interactions and collects any personal data disclosed during conversations with the toy. And it actually gives the example, if the child says their name, this will appear in the transcript. So it's not like typing in the information. It's your child interacting with a toy. The parents aren't there the whole time. They don't know what the toy's asking the kid. They don't know what the kid is telling the toy. And this is a huge privacy concern that is being collected by the toy. And then, of course, if you, if you collect it, you're going to have to store it. And that's a whole nother problem because that's how they remember that your name is Nick and that you're six years old. And these audio recordings and the transcripts are stored on corporate servers somewhere, could be shared with other companies that stored on their corporate servers. And again, that's something that could be shared and it also could be hacked. If it's, as you know, if it's on a server somewhere, it can be hacked. It yep. can be breached. And uh, it's not only a could, it happened. The report gives the example of a toy maker, VTech, a very popular toy company. They make great toys. But in 2015, they were had a breach and exposed the names, the birthdays, the genders, and in some cases, photos, recordings, and chat logs of about six and a half million children. If I were a parent, I would find that incredibly creepy and scary. Yeah, no, no kidding. You know, I, I remember seeing a story about this um maybe a couple of years ago when these when these smart toys really started to take off mm -hmm. um of like and someone actually had footage of their children's toy talking to them um but it was yes. a hacker it was a hacker on the other end and saying really creepy stuff and really very scary stuff and uh, and I just find that just I mean that I just you know that just terrifies me and I don't even yeah. have kids and that terrifies me that was a doll called my friend Kayla and that was back in 2015. Researchers demonstrated that that toy had an unsecured Bluetooth connection that could be hacked 
and the bad guy could change the conversation or whatever the responses were. Um, and uh, that, that toy was taken off the market uh, after this was exposed. But if these things have cameras and if they have microphones and if they have insecure Bluetooth connections, as the report says, a surprising number of these toys do, and they don't require in many cases a password, gee, there's a there's a combination mm-hmm. for a problem. Uh, yeah. Then the hackers can get in. They can spy with the camera. They can listen. They can talk to the kids. They can do all that kind of thing. And it, be- it becomes an eavesdropping thing. It becomes a tool to yep. eavesdrop. Uh, and I, I just think that I, I just find that incredibly, incredibly creepy. So nope. parents have to be aware and be careful. So uh, and also, uh, what is this thing here I'm looking at that you can actually they, that there can be purchases made without parental permission? How is that done? Yes, yeah, sometimes, and this happened has been happening for a while in video games where you have to download an app, and then the app is linked to the parents' credit cards. So, and this is the same thing with some of these smart toys. You have to download an app that enables a toy to work to its full functionality, and the character can talk to you and say something like, "Hi, do you want to uh, play a game of?" I don't know, I'm making this up, ping pong with me? Uh, sure, well, sure. Uh, you have to click here, and then we can play ping pong. And by clicking here, you paid a little money through the app to do that. Uh, a lot of times with the video games, you know, click here and get extra lives or extra bonus points or super-duper swords or whatever. But that thing, can, that kind of thing can happen with these, these uh, smart toys as well. And the parent may not realize until they get the bill that by doing the app, they've enabled their kid to make purchases on their credit card without really knowing what the kid is buying. It's crazy, you know. I, you know, I just doesn't have any, really have anything to do with the story itself. But I saw a couple of videos on a TV show where the parents videoed uh, some, some Amazon deliveries that they got. Mm-hmm. Um, and in one case, it was a, there was a, a little girl, and there were three uh, bicycles, giant bicycle packages, like regular sized bikes, three bikes that were delivered to the house. Um, that were mistakenly ordered by the young girl. Like the girl, <laughs> right. the, the girl ended up ordering like three giant bicycles and she made the mistake. What in that regard, does Amazon have a policy where you can go like, look, clearly my young daughter didn't know what she was doing. We don't want three bicycles. What can somebody do something about that? I mean, the video was hilarious because yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, who ordered three bikes, you know, or maybe it was something even more expensive. But uh, is there any, you know, something, is there anything that people can do when like your kids order something that they shouldn't have? In most cases, Amazon has a pretty good return policy. Uh, there may be something for a big, as big as that. There may be some kind of restocking fee or something with a you know bike that big, yeah. uh, a, a purchase that big. They're pretty good about that. The question is, how do the parents have it set up so their kids are able to use their Amazon app and buy stuff in the app? I mean, that's the exact same kind of thing we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. The app is there. The kid doesn't really understand what they're doing. It enables the purchase. That's what they're doing with these video games and with these toys. Uh, and again, you know, uh, if if that's something where uh, you know, you bought a, a bought a sword or points or whatever, and it's it's already done. I mean, not, we're not talking as much money, but the the game maker may say, "Well, gee, the points are gone, and how do we know your kid didn't buy? You didn't buy it for your kid." And they may challenge you on that kind of thing. So you don't want to get into that at all. Yeah. And are there other ti- are there other tips for parents uh, well, yeah, about just, these I, smart toy is about these smart toys and and some of the things that could happen. Yeah, I think the danger, Nick, and I think we made this fairly obvious, is not obvious. I mean, if you see a toy with points, pointy edges or sharp edges or, you know, shoot something, it's kind of, it's a danger. It's kind of obvious that there's a danger or small parts, something like this. This is something the danger is not as obvious. Uh, but again, it can be every bit as dangerous in this day and age with stalkers online and that sort of thing. And no one wants to read these really long and complicated privacy policies. But if it's connected to the Internet, parents have to understand that it's like anything that else that's connected to the 
the internet. It's collecting data. It's sharing data. You want to know what it's doing, how it can be used. Uh, and I would certainly say I wouldn't leave it connected the whole time if your kid wasn't playing with it. I mean, if there's a toy that could possibly spy on your kid, at the very least, turn it off when, you're, when your child's not playing with it. Uh, and the one other thing I found really fascinating from this report by uh, Perg is that, as I think you, well, you don't know, you're not a parent, but I, and I don't know, but I read about it, uh, is that uh, the COPPA, the Child uh, Online Privacy Protection Act, prohibits companies from collecting information, personal information from kids under 13. Uh, so the parent has to get permission in order to they have to sign on and say, yes, you may collect my my kids personal information. But Perg said giving consent for that information collection with some of these toys can be as simple as turning it on, turning it on. Well, I I have a problem with that. Yeah, that should, that should be something that is stopped right away. No, yeah. Yeah. Toy on, just not, you have to specific you have to say to me, parent, your toy, this toy is going to collect this, that and the other thing from your kid. And can I have your permission to do that? I, I think that's something that uh, a regulatory agency like the Federal Trade Commission should seriously uh, look into and stop that right away. Yeah. Wow. Uh, there's a lot. It's a lot of complicated stuff, and you guys are always following it. You are uh, always writing about it. Checkbook.org, again, uh, to check that out. And, and we mentioned uh, during this conversation uh, about returns, about uh, – about yes. gift returns, and that's obviously happening on a regular basis at this time <laughs> at this time of year. Yep. You know, people getting gifts that they didn't want it, or you know, doubles or anything like that. But now, online retailers are uh, you know they charge a fee, and you've been covering this at Checkbook. Uh, what what's the latest on online retailers and their return fees? Sure. So overall, most retailers do a good job of giving you an extended return period for bringing things back. They know that's one of the critical factors that people look at when they shop for the holidays, that they can bring something back. So stores have really been bending over backwards this year, Nick, as always. A few few things have shortened up a week or two, but in general, they're the same policy they were last year. Although I got to tell you, in some cases, they may make it a little bit more of a challenge at certain stores because the, the fraud situation is so horrendous. There has been so much return fraud taking place in this country that some retailers are actually starting to, to crack down just a little bit. To, to You know, you can't get away with certain things anymore. But right. as far as the return policy for online purchases, as I think you know, the online retailers, Amazon basically started this and most had to follow along, set up a situation where you can buy anything you want and you can return it and there's no charge. So Amazon gives you free shipping and they give you free returns. And it created a situation where a lot of people were uh, just buying a whole lot of stuff and and then just returning it all back again. And it, it's a thing called bracketing. So I love this sweater. So I'm going to buy the sweater in black and charcoal and green and blue and purple and orange and pink and then decide which one I want and then send it back. And I'm not making that up. People do this all the I know somebody who bought uh, had like nine wedding dresses shipped to her house and then sent eight of them back. Uh, that costs these companies a lot of money. You got to pay for this return shipping. You got to deal with the, with the product when it comes back. Some cases you can put it back in merchandise. Sometimes you can't sell it as new. Sometimes you got to trash it altogether. It's a very expensive proposition. So an increasing number of online retailers are trying to get people to stop bracketing by instituting a return charge. And we noticed this year that a number of companies have added it. It's estimated that about 40% of the online companies now have some kind of return fee. Uh, of course, if it's defective or damaged, that, that doesn't apply. Uh, this is if you just want to return or exchange something. And a couple of the ones we listed in my checkbook story are Abercrombie of Fitch, that's $7.00. Anthropology is five ninety five. A fashion company called Boohoo is six. J C Penny is eight. 
J Crew 750 and the fashion company Zara is 395 and even LL Bean which is famous for its one year return for any reason policy now charges 650 for returns and exchanges made via UPS or US mail uh, unless you bought it with an LL Bean Mastercard or paid entirely with Bean Bucks its loyalty points program so before you just automatically send something back this holiday season, because you have a little bit of time to do it, or if you shop in the future, you better check what the store, the online retailer's return policy is, because you may not get it for free anymore. The one good thing is, if there is a brick and mortar store, and not every online retailer has a brick and mortar store, but if there is a brick and mortar store, we couldn't find a situation where you couldn't take it back to the store for free. So there's no return charge. If you take it back to the store, they would actually love you to take it back to the store because odds are you're going to buy something else. They got these huge sales going on now and you'll probably wind up spending more money than what you're getting back. But yeah. uh, that's the one way to get around these charges. But you really do need to start checking because, and I think we're going to see more and more of this. I mean, the, the return fraud numbers are going up. The amount of money they're spending for handling this is going up. Some companies now in small situations or if they know it's perishable and they're telling people just keep it and throw it in the trash. Who knows if they throw in the trash or keep it. But that, I mean, when a retailer says, I don't want it back, it costs me more to handle it than letting you just keep it and throw it away or donate it to charity. That gives you an idea of where the marketplace is right now. And they've got to do something about it. Well, and you know what? Ultimately, it's not, it's, it's our fault. <laughs> it's the consumer's fault for doing this. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. The reason why these things, these charges are being had is because people are taking advantage of it. And that's just that's not the company's fault. No, but the companies did encourage. I mean, Amazon, these companies did encourage it. So uh, yeah. I think it's by the part of. But and, and the figure I found was staggering. Um, two thirds of online shoppers, 63 percent of people uh, surveyed by a company called Narvar, a logistics software company, said that they did this bracketing. So it's clearly a widespread practice to hmm. do this kind of thing. And, and again, it's something that I just think that they've got to they're, they're, they realize they created this monster and they're going to have to stop it. And if you want to do the bracketing, then you're going to pay to send it back. That's the way it's going to work. Yeah. That's the way it's going to work. OK, yeah. that's uh, interesting stuff. Now, he, another uh, return thing. Um, involves involves uh, uh, toys, and I, I I'm I'm astonished by this headline as well, Tom. And I was or I'm sorry, Herb. I was looking at some of the stuff, and it's uh, the study finds that some recalled toys are still up for sale. How does that happen? How does it? How does a product or a toy that's been recalled still be on the market for people to buy? How how can that happen? Yeah, this was another study done by that group, U.S. Perg, the Public Interest Search Group. They do a study every year called Trouble in Toyland, and this was their 2022 <laughs> report. And they go out, good title, huh? Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah. they go out and shop. They decided to shop. I, I spoke to their consumer watchdog, Teresa Murray, and she and her team ordered and received 11 different recalled toys from online retailers based in the U.S., including Facebook Marketplace, eBay, and several online toy shops. And some of them were the same recalled toys purchased from multiple retailers. So in total, they actually bought 32 recalled toys. Some of them were just the same toys, but 32 different purchases took place. The recalls come out. They're put out by the, uh, you know, the, the manufacturer agrees with the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission to issue a recall. They send notices to the store. But if these things are being sold through these marketplaces or these little online shops that are selling these things or they're coming from somebody overseas, I don't think they have a lot of processes in place in order to look for these recalls and stop them from being sent. Now, in a couple of cases, after they bought the toys, they actually got 
uh, a notice in a few cases that, oh, this toy has been recalled. You need to send it back to us, which I give the stores credit for that. But it's not just, you know, for the people who were shopping or got toys at this holiday season. This has been happening for a long time. There's a lot of recalled products on the marketplace that that never get taken off the market. Hey, look at this. There's, there's, uh, I forget the figure, but I did a story a year or so ago about how many people don't fix the recalls on their cars. And that's something that the manufacturer sends you a letter. Yeah, it yeah. says your car has a recall that needs to be fixed. And people go, you know, they don't send these recalls out for like, uh, you know, the, uh, the color of the paint just didn't make us happy. Uh, uh, safety recall. Safety recalls are safety. Something's wrong with the seatbelt system or the brakes or it could catch fire. This is something you need to take care of. The same thing with these toys. I mean, these toys are being recalled because they they, they have presented a, a safety hazard to the child. There are unmarked uh, small parts or there are sharp edges. There's lead in the paint that nobody caught. There's something wrong with this toy. And you can really easily find out if there's a recall on your toy. Uh, all you have to do is go to the government's website. Uh, and it's uh, you, know, you can go to the Consumer Product Safety website or recalls.gov. I think I got that one right, Nick. I, I didn't yeah. notice that. Recalls.gov. And uh, they will they will uh, list for you. You can just put in the toy and they'll tell you. Uh, and I would suggest if you've got toys, even if you bought them last year, uh, you know, recalls happen all the time. It may have been safe on the shelf when you bought it. But if you have a little time and, and downtime, just put them in there and see if something and something happened. Because odds are you'd never know if they found out that the years later, when kids have played with the millions of kids in the marketplace, oh my God, the spring came out of this toy, or there's an electric shock hazard, or somebody discovered there was something wrong with the toy. You know, they, they, these toys have to meet safety standards; they can't just be put on the market. But that's a little bit of testing a lab. Many companies test them with kids, but you know, I've watched these focus groups, and you can't see what kids are really going to do with a toy with 20 kids sitting around a room for an hour versus, you know, hundreds of thousands of kids playing with them over and over and over again, things come up just like with cars. Yeah. So it's not a bad idea. And, and that's why you also have to be very careful if you buy toys at a garage sale, uh, those toys, you know, could be subject to a recall. You don't really know about them. If you're ever going to do that, you need to check the, you know, go on your phone to, to recalls.gov and check it out. You never buy a car seat. Uh, at uh, at a garage sale or, or a used store because you never know if it's been in an accident and it cannot be reused. Right, right. And, and I think people think people think ah, it's just a toy. Let's not worry about it. But you should you should always check. And I and I've often wondered about you know like you said uh, garage sales and things like that. even even online. I mean we have a million online garage sales. It's like eBay Absolutely. is a garage sale. I mean you got You got to be very very uh, vigilant about this kind of stuff. Yeah, there's been cases you know where some of the toys I've done. The recalled because you know they use those little button batteries and the button batteries were easy to for the child to remove. You know you swallow those things, you can die. A child can die from swallowing button batteries, uh, and they get down in their they get caught in their throat and they they caught in their uh, digestive system. If they touch, they can start an electric charge. I mean this yeah. this is a really yeah. serious problem, and that's why some of these toys have been recalled because they found later kids could get at the buttons. They came out too easily. So again, or you know small parts that weren't labeled that could choke a child. That these are recalled for a serious reasons and you need to take it seriously and yeah. not yeah. to be afraid but just be just be you know you want to protect your kids just go on you can do it real quickly put a couple of the toys on and see if anything has happened and if it has either take it back to the store contact the manufacturer in some cases you know it's a recall nick that there's a fix i mean if dressers have been recalled for a while and in some cases it was we just give you a strap to put it on the wall so it doesn't tip over on your child or there's a little thing we do we put this little thing on the back and the buttons can't come out anymore uh so you can get fixes 
for some of these things, or in some cases, you just take it back and you get a full refund. Right. Yeah. And uh, and some of the stuff that you that you got for your kid or they that they received as a gift, it could have been recalled toys. So be aware of that. Exactly. And, and always be aware. And you can always check out uh, consumerman.com, checkbook.org. And again, if you want uh, the deal, you can always check out checkbook.org slash Nick D podcast. And that's just for our listeners. Uh, working on anything that we'll talk about next uh, at the beginning of February, Herb? Uh, I am working on a couple of things with the Federal Trade Commission. We got an exclusive interview with the uh, head guy at the Consumer Division, uh, which is really fascinating about some of the tricks that uh, that retailers use against people, both supposedly good retailers and con artists, and how you can protect yourself against that. So we'll be talking about that, I think, next time. It'll be a, a fascinating conversation to learn how they manipulate us and how they trick us and make us think we're getting something when we're really not. Great. Always a pleasure, Herb. And again, consumerman.com, uh, they can get your newsletter one more time. It's free? It's free. Just go to consumerman.com and sign up for that newsletter. You'll be able to get it. And Nick, okay. happy new year to you. All the best and continued success. I know you're in, uh, what's this, 100 and something now? 103. Podcast. This is 103. Oh, lucky number. That's great. Yeah. Keep, keep it up. That sounds Thanks, buddy. Okay. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Uh, Herb Weisbaum, uh, he's the best. He is the consumer man. Check out consumerman.com, checkbook.org. The guy helps out all the time. And you know who else helps out? With all your car and automotive needs and questions and concerns, my main man, Tom Appel. Let's say hi to him. Tom Appel. We're going to talk about costume. Tom Appel. Ooh, automotive with Tom. And his last name, Appel. Oh. It's the czar of car, the sultan of cylinder, Time. The yeah, that's right. Uh, great Jason Skaggs doing all kinds of great themes, and that's one of my favorite ones. He is the car guy. He is with Consumer Guide Automotive, and uh, he is part of our monthly uh, For the People episodes uh, that we do. And uh, his name is Tom Appel. Tom, how are you? I'm good. Good. Ha- thank you. Ha- happy New Year. Happy New Year. This is the first episode of 2023. How about that? Wow. Wow. Yeah. And what, episode, episode 103. 103. I was just going to ask. 103. Excellent. Yeah. Thank you for that uh, lovely little uh, message that you left me congratulating us on our 100th, which was nice. Yeah. Congrats. That's a big nice. deal. Yeah. Actually, um, I think I think we're about uh, oh, two weeks. I think two weeks from today is the actual one-year anniversary of the podcast. So, uh Seems like it was just yesterday, so there we go. <laughs> but anyway, well, welcome, Tom. Uh, Thank you. You are, of course, part of uh, Consumer Guide Automotive. Before we jump into our monthly, and we have questions, and again, any any questions you know uh, that you guys have that you w- would like to ask over the course of uh, you know the month, uh, we're going to go to a couple of those. But if you want to leave uh, a question, uh, car related, Nick D Podcast at Gmail dot com. Tom is with us the first uh, Tuesday of each month. Uh, but before we jump into all of the things we're going to talk about including car stories and topics and fun stuff uh, going back to the blog at Consumer Guide Automotive. Tell everyone about Consumer Guide Automotive. Yeah, yeah. The easiest way to check us out is ConsumerGuide.com. We do new car reviews. We dig up old stuff. Uh, we like to have fun with what's going on in, in automotive media. Uh, but it's all at ConsumerGuide.com. You can go to uh, our blog from right there on our homepage. And our podcast starts up again in two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Two so, weeks. Uh, so we got a couple of weeks into January, uh-huh. uh, and that podcast will be up, and it will be regular again. Yep. Yep. Every right. week. Awesome. So just go to Consumer Guide, uh, consumerguide.org. I'm sorry. It's not .org. It's .com. .com. 
Patreon.com. Right. You guys make money. It's we try. We try. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, you know, I passed through your neck of the woods just on New Year's Eve, Tom. Oh. Yes. Um, I took the Metro train. Okay. The, the Northwest Metro train, which there's a stop here at Irving Park, which is literally across the street from my apartment. And I took the Metra out to Crystal Lake because oh. I, appeared, I appeared on stage with Steve Cochran and, Saw his, that. and his crew uh, at the Rouse Center for uh, Performing Arts. Beautiful theater in downtown Crystal Lake. Have you ever been there, Tom? I have not. And there's been a lot of stuff there I should have seen, but I've it's never been there. really beautiful. I walked around backstage. You know, we were obviously we were doing the show, so I got to hang out backstage and behind the curtain and everything. And I got to walk around backstage and in the, you know, like in the crevices of areas, I felt like the phantom. You know what I mean? I was rolling around. <laughs> and man, what a beautiful theater that is. Just beautiful. Um, but on the way there, one of the many stops that the Metro train made was in downtown Palatine, my friend. Yeah, walking distance from my house and from Spunky Dunkers. Spunky Dunkers, which uh, you've talked about in the past, yes. Yeah. 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 T- t- tell us about Spunky Dunker. I could have got off the train. Ran out, got some spunky dunkers, and jumped back on the train. I don't think I had time. Oh, uh, maybe not quite enough. Yeah. Spunky no. dunkers have been around for as long as I'm, I'm aware, so it's at least 50 years old. Um, and I like to say that I live in Donut West because I live just west of Spunky Dunkers, right off of Northwest Highway there. That's really nice. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how, you know, because I, I had never taken the train out to Crystal Lake before. Uh, oh. when, whenever I take the Metro train, when I do, I have a, a friend, and I, I visit her a lot. And she lives on the uh, on the South Shore, so I take that train. Um, so I've I've you know I've seen that lovely area on the way uh, to her place, and it's really cool. But I've never done the Northwest train, and I was going through all those because I lived on the Northwest side of Chicago for, and I still do, uh-huh. um, and and gone to the Northwest suburbs a lot. So those 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 suburbs I'm very familiar with, but I've never seen it from the view of the train, which was really nice. Like right in the heart of downtown Palatine, it looks it looks very quaint and lovely downtown Palatine. Yeah, it, it's a nice place to live. I wouldn't want to visit. Um, there's wait, not. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Boy, the tourism council is going to be pissed at you. Yeah. Wow. There's what, just what, not what, that much what, going on there. <laughs> a, tr- a true bedroom community. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, then. Uh, then I was completely mistaken when I was. No, no. It is, it is lovely. It is lovely. <laughs> it's just not uh, that interesting. Okay. That's beautiful, man. All right. Well, it does have good mud. We've talked about that before. It does quality mud. It's a quality mud. Oh God, that's and spunky dunkers. Okay, spunky dunkers. Okay, mud and donuts. Anyway, I immediately (laughs) mud and donuts. I believe I was in that band. Uh, (laughs) Hold on a second. There you go. Hey. um... It was just that I immediately, as we pulled in, you know, ding, ding. And I love riding the Metro. I love like, on, you know, the subways are fun and everything. I'm a tra- I love being on trains, whether they are, you know, CTA or trains, whatever. But I love riding on trains. I've gone to different. St- I love traveling by train. And the Metro is like a real train. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's got the ding, ding and the voof, 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 that whole thing. I love that. Yeah. And, when uh, my, so, when yeah. my kid was little, we used to take rides on the Metro train just to take rides on the Metro train. Sure, it's fun, man. Yeah. I, you know, people are like, what do you got? How are you going to get out to Crystal Lake? Because Crystal Lake's a hike from where I am, you know? Um, and I'm like, well, I'm going to take the Metro, and it'll be great. It was, a, it was an hour long. It was a train. It was about an hour long. And it was lovely being on yeah. that train. And, you know, when I got there, they're like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll give you a ride home. I'm like, well, if you want to, I can just jump on the train and go back home. 
But uh, but as we pulled into Palatine, I'm like, I was actually actively looking for you. I thought maybe I'd see you just kind of wandering around Palatine. But I, I do that too. I just sort of hang around the train station. <laughs> You've been picked up there a couple times by the cops, I guess. Is that how it works? Is that how it works? Don't you have a home? <laughs> Yeah, thank God I'm not. I don't have to visit here. I do live here. Though. <laughs> uh, all right. So, <laughs> speaking of delivering and uh, Palatine and stuff like that, your UPS guy. Yeah. Um, who you were not familiar with, I guess, but he's been delivering. Here's the thing about this guy. Um, he now what? So, so t- t- tell the story again. Your wife's at home. Please set yeah. the story up. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my wife got a, a pre-Christmas package. A package arrived at the house. My wife works from home, so she's she's there to receive it. And and as the guy is handing off the package, my wife is signing for it. She's like, "Your husband isn't Tom Appel, is he?" And I'm like, yeah. Why would someone know that? But but yeah. but this guy's a big fan of yours, and that's why he knows it. And he knows you. Say, is he on the Nick T podcast? Yes, he is. Wow. Okay. That guy. That guy. All right. So, so you are the car guy on the Nick D podcast. You were actually recognized vocally at our last Zanies event. Yeah, which also was surprising. Yeah. Yeah, guy, I just said hello to the guy. He goes, I know your voice. And, <laughs> yeah, and he did. And he did. By the way, I hope you can make it out uh, on January 17th, Tuesday. Uh, Good to try. That's Zanies in Rosemont. It's our next live uh, podcast. Uh, and uh, it's going to be great. We're giving stuff away. We got T-shirts. We got swag, Tom. We got coffee yeah. mugs. Uh, it's big time well, now. Swag just makes it better because it was a good time last time. Oh, I appreciate that, man. I hope you can make it out on the on, on January seventeenth. Anyway, uh, but yeah, you got recognized there. But anyway, so Bill Anderson is a name, by the way. Okay, that's the UPS guy's name. Hey, and Bill. In, in addition to that story, he uh, sent me an email after I mentioned after we mentioned him on the. Uh, on the podcast that you, you know, you're, you're famous now in the UPS world. Um, <laughs> he did send in a magic megaphone request. Oh, and uh, are you familiar with the magic megaphone? I am. Yes. Okay. Well, he, and so we, we did a magic megaphone request for him and now he is Bill Anderson, the UPS guy. So there we go. Bill Anderson. Excellent. It's, not, it's not Bill Anderson, the country singer from the seventies. It's, it's Bill Anderson, the UPS guy. So there you go. All right. Uh, Another, we got an email from someone else, and this is Nick from uh, St. Joseph. And he has a question for you. All right. Uh, he also, by the way, uh, did a, uh, a, a request, <laughs> a, micro- a megaphone request, which I'm going to get to in a little, which I'm going to get to soon. But anyway, here's your question. This is a serious car question. Again, any oh. car-related questions. This is serious. We're not screwing around anymore now. So, okay. Can you please ask Tom to explain if and when I should get 88-octane gasoline? I'm seeing it pop up in gas stations, and it says it is cleaner and it is cheaper, but says only use in cars 2001 and newer. Is it safe to use my 2019 Ford Fusion Hybrid? So the question is about 88-octane gasoline. Maybe first explain what 88-octane gasoline and then answer uh, Nick's question. Yeah, 88 is a weird octane. Uh, mostly when you go to a gas station, you see um, 87 89, and then 91, 92, or 93. That's the premium right. grade. Right. Um, and, and what's happening is we're seeing different variations of ethanol in the gasoline. Uh, but 88 should be fine in virtually anything. It's, it's, it's a very weird uh, thing. I haven't heard – here's the important part. No manufacturer has actually issued a statement about it, so it's clearly not a danger to your car. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're under warranty, I might avoid it just in case. 
Right. But I wouldn't worry about it too much. Okay. What What does that mean, though, for, for the layman, for, for those of us who are going to the gas station just to, to fill our tank, 88, 90, 91? What does that mean to, like, just a, just a normal schmo trying to fill his gas? Yeah, it, it, it doesn't actually measure the amount of octane in something. It's an index that measures the relative effectiveness of the gas versus pure octane. It's a strange thing, but what it actually does, the octane number tells you at what point um, your, your fuel will combust before which is bad, before the spark plug goes off. So as you're compressing the air-gas mixture, you don't you want it to compress all the way until the spark flares, until the okay. spark fires. If okay. it goes off sooner, you get what we used to, we used to call knock. Uh, and a great oh, example yeah. of this was in, oh, in, in vacation. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. That was actually run-on, not knock, but basically the same principle. Same thing. Okay. And not, so, and knock is called knock because it sounds like your engine is knocking, correct? Yeah, and it's actually it's actually your 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 uh, your air fuel mixture going off a little too soon. Does that still happen in cars or no? Not very much because the computer control systems are really good at mitigating that, so it yeah. doesn't matter. That's like if you don't even if your car requires premium, you probably don't need to use it. You're just going to have less power. Uh, but you should use what your manufacturer says during the warranty period. So, so you're, you're suggesting that people don't use premium if they don't have to. Uh, right. If your car is, runs fine in 87 if, and that's what the manufacturer recommends, don't waste your money on premium. Okay. So you've pissed off Palatine and premium gas station. Uh, yep. Gas station. <laughs> Make, I'm making enemies today. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. There, that answers the question for uh, Nick. And Nick, I will get to your magic megaphone request uh, as well. So uh, anyway. All right. Uh, Consumer Guide Automotive, you guys test drive a lot of stuff. What are you driving now? What have you been driving in the month that we have uh, spoken? Or, no, I'm sorry. What have you driven in a year? See, because it's the new year. See, now I can wow. say, it's the new year. It's a new year. Yeah, okay. And I hate when people do that. Hey, how, how have you been all year? I haven't seen you in a year. Yeah. Anyway, what have you, <laughs> what have you been driving, Tom? Christmas Day, I had the most inappropriate vehicle for a long road trip. Um, I was in the Chevy Silverado ZR2, which is an extremely off-road capable Chevy Silverado. So it sits high off the ground. It's got a big engine, big wheels and tires, a really big lift. It's hard to climb in and out of. Other than that, though, it's actually a joy to drive. <laughs> you, you, you get a, a king-of-the-road thing going on. you got a super commanding view of the road. And were there a blizzard, I would have fared very well. Oh, okay. All right, but, but there not, was no blizzard. But there was no blizzard. Well, I mean, what was it on uh, on Christmas? Was it 50 hours it was, or something on Christmas? No, Christmas no, was extremely no, Christmas cold. Was, I'm sorry. New Year's, was it was it was like yeah. 50 degrees. No, yeah, that's right. Christmas was freezing. That's right. Like coldest Christmas since 83 is what I remember um, yeah. hearing. Yeah, it was cold. And, they, and that car was fine in the, in, the, in the cold weather? It was fine in the cold. The good news was it heated up really well, and then it had heated seats in the second row, so the backseat passengers liked it as really? well. Yeah, See, so it was sort of, sort of popular with the passengers. Wow, okay. And did you have a car load of people? Were you all loaded up, ready to go uh, to going, my, going, going to Stuckey's? Anything? My family, the three of us, and my brother-in-law. So we, we uh, packed the thing. We had four people plus stuff. Plus stuff, of course. You got to have stuff on Christmas. That's how yeah. it works. You know, heated seats freak me out, Tom. They always have, and they always will. <laughs> um, I was in, uh, you know, speaking. Oh, you know how I got home from the uh, from the the Rouse Center for the performing no. arts? I got a ride from the lovely Andrea Darlis. Oh, and Andrea has a uh, has a car that has the heated seats, and uh, and I always forget that they're a thing. And um, every time it happens, I'm like, did I just crap myself? What's going on? <laughs> 
my first response, I just didn't wet myself, did I? What is happening? That, and I'm always like, they're always weirded out. And she was like, yes, I have heated seats. I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't know that this was not. And they always, no matter what it is, and you know, one time, I think I told you this, Tom, I was in a movie. I was watching a movie at that uh, Icon Theater on, off of Roosevelt uh-huh. on the South Loop, the, uh, the uh, Icon uh, Theater. And they have the heated seats there in the upstairs balcony, okay? Oh. And I remember I was watching the, the last Halloween. I was watching Halloween Ends. And all of a sudden, the, I guess I like, because the, the recliner thing that you have on the leather seats, you know, when you go to the movies, sometimes they got the reclining seats. Uh-huh. And you know the little button that you press to get your seat reclined or unreclined or whatever? Yeah. Well, it was right next to, like, I guess the heating button. And I pressed the button to, like, recline the seat. And, like, literally three minutes later, I'm like, what the hell? You know, all of a sudden, I guess I hit the hot heat button. And I started freaking out. <laughs> And so they, they freaked me out. And uh, the, the, the heated seats, and I know the heated seats have been around for, what, like 30 years? Heated seats have been around? Long time. Yeah, Long and time, I still, yeah. every time I get into a car and someone's got them, I'm like, what the hell's that? I think I'm having like a stroke or something. I don't know what's going on. I, I just think they're, I, they're, they're a lovely option, obviously, but as long as you don't freak out like I do. I remember, and, and I probably shouldn't even say this because I have absolutely no statistics to back this up. Or, are you gonna, are you, well, hold on. I just want to know if you're going to piss off another corporation right now. I, I um, am, but I can't imagine <laughs> they would ever be a sponsor. I, re, I remember aftermarket seat heaters that were bursting into flames in the 80s. Oh, God. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah, they were aftermarket. I'm sure they, they weren't UL listed or anything like that. And they were, are, people are, were plugging them into the cigarette lighter. You know, we've no, yeah, that's always a good thing. You, you know, it's a, <laughs> you know, it's a quality product when you plug it into the cigarette lighter. That's always yeah, a, that's high you end. Know, this is obviously something we didn't plan. What are some some upgrades or things in the car world that didn't work or that were disastrous? I mean, obviously, heated seats that set on fire are not good. Have there been other sort of like things that happen in the car world upgrades that were just like not good, like any kind of sort of disastrous products? We have a weird article about these that someone here put together. I didn't write the article. And a couple of weird ones were, I, I want to say these only appeared in the Chevy Monte Carlo in the mid-70s, and they were swivel seats. Oh, and, no. Come on. And, and it allowed the front seat passengers to swivel to the side for easier ingress and egress. And I think <laughs> it was actually like a women in skirts kind of consideration. But the seat would actually rotate to the side. And I want to say people were slamming the door shut on the seat that was partially turned out of the car. This was, when was this? Mid-70s, Chevy Monte Carlo. I can't think of another example of a car that had them. I knew a guy who had it, and he used to use it just to piss me off. Look. And I'm like, I don't care, man. That's spectacular. So swivel seats in the mid-70s. Yeah. Wow. Anything else? I mean, swivel seats, they did that, there weren't no lawsuits involved with swivel seats, were there? I don't remember lawsuits. Okay. Uh, another really weird one, and I think okay. it was available on early 70s Camaros and Firebirds, and it was those were rear drive, and, they, and you know, yeah. they usually had V8 engines and yep. not totally useless in the snow. There was an option that I think was extremely rare where you would press a button – somewhere near the, the steering wheel and the button was con- was connected to a can of something aerosol that would spray directly on the tires and it was some tacky oh. substance oh my god it was weird now, <laughs> i will you know right i will put this on my facebook page or twitter page if people want to find it because yeah. it was weird and i don't know anyone who actually ever used it but it was available for sale and i think you had to replace these cans of goop a lot so this was to get you out of, like, ice situ- icy situations? Yeah, if you were stuck, it would spray oh, sticky my. stuff on your tires that would 
grab the snow is a very weird situation. That sounds all all bad. I mean, that just sounds. I mean, man, a spray uh, for your tires. Yeah. Of goopy, st- and this was, of course, it was an. I had a Firebird. I wish I had that when I had my Firebird. That would have been great. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I could see it being useful if it worked right. Uh, right. But customers I, didn't latch onto it. I think it was only available for a year. But I can also see it like really screwing up your tires, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, how how, <laughs> how do you not go through? How do you do? You have to replace your tire after the winter. Tires after the winter. I mean. I don't know that. Oh, I don't. I don't. Man. I. I've never read actually a, a, a an account of someone having used the system. Yeah, and what will we call these bad car gimmicks like seat heaters that are set on fire, swivel seats, <laughs> spray goop? What are what what uh, what uh, will for, we call these things? Forgotten features, perhaps. Forgotten features. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Oh god, that is funny. <laughs> that is funny. I love the swivel seat thing. That's and I, and your friend would do it just. To, would you just? Why would he? He would just do it to piss you off. Yeah, because it was like this thing he had that he liked to talk about. And then we were always talking about his swivel seats. I'd pull into the gas station next to him when we were going to work. And he'd like, look, buddy. And he'd be using his swivel seat. <laughs> was it, were you were you envious of his swivel seats, Tom? No, it was weird. It seemed complicated. And he was like 20. He didn't need a swivel seat. He was he's still agile. That's, that is spectacular. That is absolutely spectacular. All right. Well, uh, so what else have you been driving besides the, uh, the car that, uh, that, that did well uh, on, on Christmas? I am driving the Ford Explorer Timberline right now. And, and for people who don't know, there's this mad craze now for SUV manufacturers and crossover manufacturers to add some sort of off-roady version of their vehicle to the lineup and the timberline is the explorers and it's got bigger wheels and tires black black wheels that look excellent a little bit of an extra ride height maybe an inch higher um and just some off-roady trim with red accents it looks good doesn't cost a lot extra and and you just have this sort of off-roady manly feel about the vehicle Mm -hmm. and that and uh and that drives okay then You're, you're okay with that one yeah, it's fine. I like it a lot, actually. Okay, cool. Uh, anybody else been driving things around that you've been talking to, uh, test drives and stuff? Man, I don't know what's going on. I'm trying to think if anyone's driven anything interesting. Um, okay. the, the thing to drive, and it's in Chicago now, and I have not scheduled, is the Kia EV6 GT. And that is Kia's electric vehicle. It's won all sorts of awards. It's a consumer guide Best Buy. But there's a high-performance 500-horsepower-ish version of that car that's yeah. supposed to be ridiculous. But I have not yet driven that, and I'm okay. dying to drive that. Okay. Are there other cars that you like that you can't wait to drive? I mean, when you when you see something happening, and you're like, man, I cannot wait till that till I get to drive that. Are, 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 besides that vehicle, are there any other vehicles that you're that you're kind of excited to test drive in the future? Yeah, there's an extremely silly and totally unnecessary version of the four of the Cadillac Escalade called the Escalade V. That's stuffed full of Corvette engine that I'm dying to drive because uh-huh. <laughs> the Escalade, as unnecessary as it is, is really very good. It's an excellent luxury vehicle, yeah. and a fast version of that would amuse me. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Well, we can look forward. We can we can look forward to that. Um, the what about this? It was a, a kind of an interesting little uh, wagon that was test driven. Uh, the 2023 Volvo V60 Cross Country Ultimate. Yeah, this struck a chord with me. I like this vehicle simply because there aren't station wagons anymore, and I'm so glad there's still a Volvo station wagon. And and this is the cross country version. So we were just talking about how everything has to be off roady these days, right? So that's happening here, but it's still very much a low to the ground 
kind of quirky Volvo station wagon. And I'm so glad they make this because it's still just a car. It's a little bit quirky inside. It's good looking. It's a blast to drive. I actually took this a long distance drive. I had to drive to Janesville, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. um, really nice vehicle. I'm, I'm just so glad they still make it. The Volvo V60 Cross Country Ultimate. And what is that going for? What are people going to drop on that? Uh, the one I drove loaded came to about sixty-four grand, which is a lot of money for a compact wagon. It certainly is. It certainly <laughs> is. Um, and typically, just to remind folks, how often, or I'm sorry, how long do you test drive these things? Uh, I try to get into a vehicle for a full week when I can. And, and do you purposely drive in situations just to test things out? Like you, obviously, you'll will you go out of your way if you're going from work to home? Will you take a different route? Will you go down different places in order to test things out in these cars? Yeah, what I try to do is three days during my work week, I commute on, on sort of a ground, ground road. So I take Northwest Highway home. I, I work in Morton Grove, live in Palatine. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then twice a week, I try to hit 90. So I go home past the airport and try to get up to 80 miles an hour, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes if you're on 90, you're not going to go 30. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I will tell you that. All right. Well, there you go. So that's uh, the latest one. Um, and the uh, what is what is it about? What, what, what's special about Volvos? You you were saying that you're glad that they still make Volvos, and and in in you know in, obviously what you were saying was in comparison to a station wagon. What is it about the Volvo that evokes a station wagon? Yeah, back in the especially in the 70s and 80s, Volvo used to make great wagons. They were the, the D, 240DL. People might remember that number because it was around forever. But they were just very functional. Um, very reliable and very good wagons. And, and they used to advertise, Volvo used to advertise that fat cars died young. And it was, in, it was, they were trying to draw attention to the fact that their cars were kind of minimalistic. You know, there wasn't a lot going on there, but they were reliable. They were good. They were fuel efficient and they lasted forever. And they did have that reputation well-earned for lasting forever. Um, and I knew a lot of people who had wagons that didn't have air conditioning, had manual transmissions, you know, yeah, steel, yeah, steel wheels, and they loved their cars. It was, yeah. it was very much a, a cult of personality. It really is, man. My aunt and uncle had a, had a, had a station wagon. It was a piece of shit and they loved it. <laughs> they did. They loved it. And we loved it too. Cause we could bop around. Me and my cousins could bop around in the back. You know what I mean? And just jump around like idiots. Yeah. And, and it was a big horse. You know what I mean? A horse of a 70s vehicle sucking up gas and spitting out poison. You know what I mean? It was just fantastic. <laughs> but people love the station wagon. They do. I don't know. I don't know. So the Volvo right now is the company that comes closest to, to fulfilling that fun that we miss? I think so, at least in terms of the wagon. They, they, they still make two separate wagons, one compact and one a little bit larger, and I'm just yeah. glad they do it. They don't sell that well, and I'm glad that they stubbornly stick to it because it's part of their personality. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, some of the news uh, that we've been talking about, you know, it's been a rough year for every business. It's been a rough yeah. few years. I'm sorry, a, f a rough few years for every business, you know, what with everything shutting down and COVID and then the, you know, the blockade and, uh, and prices and, you know, all of this stuff that's been happening in every business. And it's really hit the car business for a long, you know, really, really hard. How um, how have been has the, the, the world been recovering? Um, in the world of cars, how's it been recovering? Where's it at right now? And uh, there is a, a, a bit of a pessimistic uh, story that you guys uh, published um, about how 2023 could be a rough year for the car business again. So tell me a little bit about what's been happening in the past few years, the, the good, the bad. Yeah, one of the weird things that happened is, is we sat around waiting for supply to get better. Yeah. We knew there was a microchip shortage. That was part of the, a broader supply chain issue. And, and it was hard to get cars. And car manufacturers badly, badly handled 
what they thought was going to be a huge downturn at the beginning of COVID that didn't happen. The demand for cars never really went away. Uh, I guess no one could predict that, but the, predict yeah. that. But, but yeah. it was a bad prediction on the part of almost every manufacturer. Anyway, we've been suffering now for a long time from a shortage of new cars that resulted in a shortage of used cars, which resulted in a huge escalation in the price of vehicles. Now, at the, towards the end of the year, with inflation going crazy, yeah. it's looking like things might go the other direction very quickly. There is now a better supply of new cars, but we're starting to see rebates show up all of a sudden, suggesting that there's actually more supply than manufacturers want in some cases. And really? interest rates, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And interest rates are super high now relative to what they were a while ago. Um, used car interest rates are breaking 10%, which is unheard of. Jesus. We were paying 2 or 3% not too long ago. Man, oh, man. So no one knows where this is actually going to go as we roll into the new year, but it might be a really good time to buy a car right now in the next couple of months, especially if you can put a lot of money down and don't have to finance much of the car. I see. Okay. And, and how is the business reacting to that? What are they doing? Um, I'm not sure the business is doing that much right now, that, at least that we can easily detect. What we're probably going to see is, is that they're going to start building more affordable versions of vehicles. Right. Because car makers didn't, you know, Ford, GM, they didn't really raise the price of their cars. They just started building much more expensive cars. That's sort of the, the way you can easily raise the transaction price of a vehicle. They may have to back off that. I see. I see. Wow. Okay. And uh, this story, by the way, is there anything anything else in the story that you wanted to touch on that's, that's out there now? Uh, it says could be another rough year for the car business 2023, and it's available at the Daily, uh, uh, the Daily Drive blog. Yeah, the only thing I would suggest is anything you read about the industry predicting what's going to happen in the next six months is just guessing. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't know if anyone knows what's going to happen. Well, I think that's true. I mean, it's, we live in unprecedented times. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's, I, we don't know what's going on. I, you know, this whole, uh, I, you know, interest rates are flying up. And, you know, the, the, it, you know I just saw uh, a dozen eggs, six bucks for a, for a dozen eggs. And, I, I mean, that has nothing to do with cars, but that's just inflation in general. I just saw it was six bucks for a dozen eggs, and I, I don't know why. If I am I am I missing something here? I was uh, I used to work in that. I was a uh, I was a dairy manager at the Jewels for many years, um, and I never thought I'd see the day when you pay six seven bucks for a dozen eggs. But that's what's happening right now. No, that's great. I just paid fifteen bucks for a dozen donuts, so I I, I feel yeah, the world's God. pain. It is pretty crazy, man. It's pretty crazy. Wow. Well, I just you know what you can just print more money. That's yeah. All. <laughs> that's all you do. <laughs> Print more money, make more expensive cars. That's what we, that's what we need to do. That'll fix everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Hey, um, we are now in January. Next month, obviously, is February. See, I'm a genius, Tom. You can't put that one over on me. I know that no. next month is actually February, uh, and that is the month of uh, the Chicago uh, Auto uh, uh, Show. Isn't that is that correct? That is correct. And what are we looking forward to on that? And when is it? And is it is it at McCormick Place as as uh, usual? This should be a very, very normal auto show. I think we're going to see most manufacturers show up there. Um, I think we're going to see some some good new stuff. And here's the thing about this, and the guys at the Chicago Auto Show, whom I know well, always make this point. Even if it's not introduced at the Chicago Auto Show, it will be at the Chicago Auto Show. Oh, I see. So they, they always seem a little concerned about the PR before the show. And I'm like, eh, don't worry about that. You want to go because everything's there. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So even the stuff that, like, you know, yeah. Okay, so if you if you hear about something, it's going to be there. Yeah. For, for example, Ram is launching its new electric pickup truck, the Ram, uh, I think it's just called the Ram EV, at CES next week. Uh, this week. I'm sorry, this week. Okay. Weird place, but CES has become an auto show for some reason, and a lot of manufacturers want to launch uh, technology and electric vehicles there. So Ram has chosen that place 
instead of Chicago a month later. I see. I see. Well, I mean, it kind of makes sense that yeah. uh, that CES has become an auto thing because, I mean, you know, what, what was the projection? We once talked about, we talked about this a few times, Tom. What was the projection for most manufacturers w- w- to have all electric? What was that? Didn't we have like numbers on that? Yeah, and we keep hearing 2035 when manufacturers want to be either completely green or carbon neutral or all electric for most vehicles. Yeah, and so that seems, it seems normal that something like that would, would debut at CES, correct? I don't time. think it. I don't think it's weird. It's it's uh, it's merely a complication because I, Ford started this when Ford started with the My Ford Touch, um, um, excuse me, voice recognition systems. They started that at CES, and that's really what launched CES oh, as an auto show. I see. But that was super tech at the time. Yeah. Was that a big deal when Ford did that? Yeah. Voice recognition. Was, was, everybody, was, was everybody pissed that they went to CES? <laughs> People were, and Ford yeah. keeps pissing people off anyway by not doing things at auto shows. They do things adjacent to auto shows, like at a location off-site uh, a couple of days before. In really? Between auto shows. Yeah. Yeah, Ford wants the Ford is making big announcements, and they want to make them in isolation. They don't want other people is around. Is that right? Wow. Yeah. Well, has there a reason? Has anybody asked them why they would do such a thing? I mean. Yeah, and they give varying answers, but mostly I think it's they want the limelight to themselves. Of course. And it works, too. If you're a manufacturer and you have a minor announcement, you probably want to go to an auto show that you're part of the stuff that's covered there. Yeah. But but if you just updated your interior, that's not enough for a solo announcement <laughs> at some point. Yeah, sure. Well, it's, I mean, has have, have other companies besides Ford, have they followed suit? Oh, yeah. Yeah, a lot of manufacturers have been doing this. And, in fact, you'll see that manufacturers do things before auto shows, like a day or two. Sure. Where, where the media may be gathered in L.A. or New York or Chicago, and they'll do something the night before or the night before that. And then they'll have an embargo on the information that lifts oh. before the auto show starts so they can get ahead of the news. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, you know, getting, it's actually vicious. It is weird, man. I, I, I will tell you this, Tom. You know, getting back into the film uh, critic business, of which I was out for a couple of years, uh-huh. uh, you use the word embargo. There are times yep. when I like I couldn't talk about that dumbass Avatar movie for three weeks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I but, couldn't. Like, but somehow I knew you didn't like it. <laughs> Even with the embargo, you knew that I hated the Avatar movie. Yeah, but uh, but that that word embargo, like when, whenever I go to a, whenever I go to a movie, I have to talk to the PR person afterwards and go, when can I talk about it? And they're like. Right. Well, here's here's the date. There's a social media embargo and then a full review embargo uh, on these things. And what I always find amazing to me is, and I've asked the PR people, and the PR people are wonderful. The local PR people that I work with, you know, that the critics get to work with uh, here in Chicago are lovely people, and I love them all. They're all great people. But and, and I'm always like asking them, like, I don't understand why I can't talk about this movie that I loved. It makes no, it, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not even allowed. Not even allowed. Like an Avatar, I can understand because I trashed it. But, like, if I love a movie, why do you not want me to talk about it three weeks before it opens? Why, how is that bad press? You know what I mean? It's a good question, and I've never quite understood it. When I started in this industry 20 years ago, Consumer Guide still had a print publication. Yeah. Uh, they used to do it by cover date, which worked for us because our cover date was always a month ahead of the real date. So we, sure, we never, sure. We literally never had an embargo. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. But I mean, but again, like in your case, you know, like in, in, in your in any business, if something is great, why would they want you to embargo it? Like if you want to talk about this car or the latest development in the car world, why would they embargo that? I don't get it. I, I think the only reason that makes sense to me, and I've had this explained to me a couple of times, is timing relative to advertising. So they want the big push to happen, you know, uh, okay. in, in, in concert with whatever they're going to be doing, yeah. you know, with yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, ultimately, when, when I do 
you know, when I do get an answer from the PR people, it's always like, well, just wait till the week it opens, like the week before it opens. That, yeah. You know, because that coincides with the big push when they, you know, where they have all the people on, you know, where the stars and everybody are on talk shows across the world, blah, blah, blah. They want to they have that just completely fill up the world. Yeah, I guess I understand. But it's still dumb. <laughs> no, I, I remember when there used to be newspapers that, that weren't the movie reviews always embargoed till Thursday at like noon Thursday or night. Something? Yeah, well, that's Thursday the same night. Thing. Yeah, yeah. That's the, it's kind of the way it is now, except that you can't like that's why they're, they had to split it up between social media and regular reviews. Uh-huh. So like like my podcast review and my review on WLS, uh, you know, that is right close to the opening. That has to be the week of the opening. Social social media reviews, oddly enough, I can do brief social media reviews the week before that. So, you know what I mean? Like, oh. so I can do like a brief like, hey, I really liked Banshees of Sharon. It's terrific. You know, I can do that two and a half weeks before it opens, but I can't do like a full review. Interesting. So the podcast reviews and the WLS reviews have to wait until really right next to when the film opens. This must confuse the general public. It confuses, it confuses me, us. Yeah. I don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> so uh, anyway. All right. Well, some of the other stuff. I love what you guys do. T- t- tell me a little bit more about the Daily Drive and, and, and some of the fun you guys have. And I want to get into this vaguely racist uh, ad that you, <laughs> that you sent me. Uh, <laughs> so Daily Drive. Tell me, uh, tell me all about that and some of the fun you guys have with that. Yeah, so on the Daily Drive, we try to do one or two long-form, and by long, I mean at least a 1,000 words, solid reviews of a test vehicle we had through the office. And and then the other two, three days, we try to cover some news and then something crazy, like you just mentioned my uh, uh, favorite car ads, and that was for the 1958 Studebaker Scotsman, which is an absolutely insane ad, and it's also full of lies, completely, uh, yeah, classic advertising. I'm looking at it right now. Please describe this ad what it's about and what's promised please because this is fantastic stuff right here so studebaker for years and years had a sort of a buick oldsmobile kind of position in the industry you know it was it was more expensive than chevy ford or plymouth and less expensive than than premium cars like cadillac or lincoln or something like that it was sort of mercury level that's actually a good level for it oh there you go yeah but studebaker hit hard times by the late 50s and they weren't going to be around much longer so to boost to boost volume, they came out with the Scotsman series, which was <laughs> an extremely affordable series of cars that was named after the thrifty Scots that we all know and love. <laughs> I love it, man. I love and, it. And this ad, this ad advertises a car for seventeen ninety five, right? At a time when Chevys and Plymouths and Fords were going for about two grand, so this car was comfortably undercutting those cars, but this car was horrible. Yeah, and 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 I have a list here of the things that weren't on this car, including power brakes. But the thing that's really bugging me about this car, <laughs> wait, the power brakes didn't bug you enough? The... No, that bugs me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that bugs me. Okay, but in the ad, they show a little gleam off of the grill, and that grill is just painted steel. It was silver painted steel. It wasn't chrome. There's no chrome on the car. They couldn't afford chrome. And it's a crappy one-piece unit. It's 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 a horrible thing. But in the ad, it's gleaming. It's and beautiful. It's like, yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, man. And the Scotsman, because they're so affordable, because the Scotsman are so cheap. That's yeah. amazing. That is absolutely amazing. And they have a truck for 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 fifteen ninety five for fifteen ninety five. Yeah, that's a little less crazy. That's a great price, by the way, but that's a little less crazy because trucks were super bare bones in those days. Yeah. Like, no one no one 
had four heated seats in a pickup truck and drove it to Wisconsin for Christmas. That's not what trucks were <laughs> in 1958. They weren't? Really? No. <laughs> wow. I'm stunned. No. <laughs> By the way, uh, here's what did not come on the standard 1958 yeah. Baker Scott's video. Are you ready for this? Can I, live, can I just read this later? Yeah, please. A radio, armrests, passenger side sun visor, cigarette lighter, dome light, power brakes, sound insulations, chrome, and contemporary powertrain. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah, that was... It was no wonder it was 1795. Good God. Yeah, that engine uh that engine had a reputation for reliability, but it was 101 horsepower at a time when <laughs> when Chevy and Ford were all advertising close to 200 horsepower. That's fantastic. Jesus, it was like buying a car from Fred Flintstone. My yeah. god. Yeah. Oh man. All right, classic car ads. You also do valet valets and doorman. <laughs> Tell me about this. This is I this is just fantastic. By the way, the stuff that you that you guys do on the daily drive, this this is so much fun, and and I haven't owned a car in over twenty something years, Tom, and I love reading this stuff, and uh, and obviously you know you're one of my favorite guests ever, and I have such a great time because you make it so interesting and so fun, uh, and I haven't driven, I can't tell you the last time I drove legally, I can't tell you the last <laughs> time I drove, um, but uh, classic car ads, valets and doors doorman, tell me tell me about this little collection. So whenever I'm flipping through ads, I'm always looking for a common thread that I can make a blog post out of. And, sure. and this one just struck me that one of the best ways for a manufacturer in an advertisement to simply suggest that the thing is upscale or part of an upscale lifestyle <laughs> is to show doorman in the ads. Right. <laughs> and it just struck me there's like there's million of these. I could do I could do valets and doorman part two if I wanted to. I probably will. I'm yeah. that lazy. Yeah. But um I mean, these go back. I mean, these go way yeah. back. You, you, we're talking. You got a 1926 Buick ad in here. No, oh, that's a nice. That's a that's a, that's a beautifully hand drawn ad too. It is. I like it's that. Gorgeous. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, again, valet doorman right there. Yeah, yeah I like that. Uh, I also like it, the, the last ad, the um, uh, the Eddie, <laughs> the 1989 Ford Bronco two, which was relatively affordable and not upscale. But this is the Eddie Bauer edition. So they <laughs> right. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, when I think cars, I think Eddie Bauer. That's going to make me buy a car. That was a weird relationship, but Ford and Eddie Bauer were hanging out together, branding together for about a dozen years. I'm about the same. To, I, yeah. I, I, I do vaguely remember that. I do vaguely yeah, remember that. Subaru, at the same time, had a tie-in with L.L. Bean. So I don't... <laughs> God. I don't know. Wow. Okay. Outdoorsy, outdoorsy menswear. Sure. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for Ford to team up with Duncan Hines, see what happens there. <laughs> I don't know. What... <laughs> What's gonna? Can we also maybe? Can I suggest for one of these doorman ads that we get just Key and Peel to come out and do come out as their valet guys? Just do the Key and Peel valet guys and have them be in one of the ads. That would be fantastic. Liam Neeson would, could be the owner of the car. I think that would. be Oh great. yeah, that yeah, that would be great. That's good. So you got a whole bunch of them in here from seventy two, seventy six, all the way back. You know, you got the six fifty seven Imperial. You got the fifty six Jaguar, all uh, featuring doormen and valets. Fantastic ads. Just just entertaining as hell. Um, but really, really, you guys do a great job uh, with, with Thank those you. things. So, um, one of the other things that we always talk about uh, that we have to mention before we let you go, of course, is Star Spotter and yeah. your love of watching old TV. Now, um, we are recording this for, I don't want to break the, the, the illusion here, but we're, rec- we're recording this on the 2nd of January. It is dropping on the 3rd. But yesterday was the end of, uh, or uh, yeah, yesterday was the end of the marathon on decades and on sci-fi nonstop over like 24 hours of nothing but twilight zone now do you love the twilight zone and that's a great place uh to spot old stars 
It is. It, it, if you want to spot Burgess Meredith, I think he's on like three episodes. He, he's of, in so, of, and, and the great ones too. So many good ones. The yeah. obsolete, the obsolete man uh, episode, which is fantastic. I, I like, love that great, episode. It's one of love my favorites. Episode. One of my favorites. And it was. I watched it again this weekend. I, you know, and again, Tom, I'm sure you're like this too. I have seen probably every episode of The Twilight Zone. And yeah. every year on New Year's Eve, I always have it on in the background. And there are episodes that I've seen a million times. I've seen that Obsolete Man episode nine. The Billy Moomy episode where he can wish things. I've seen that like 800 <laughs> times. It was remade in the movie. Joe Dante remade it in the 1983 movie spectacularly. And there are so many of them that you can watch. But that's a great place to, to do some star spotting. Yeah, yeah. That's a good thing you've done there. <laughs> exactly, man. Exactly. So, what have you done? What have you? What? What do you spot? Now, you specify the Western genre. That seems to be your 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 area of expertise. Yeah, that that's sort of my uh, that's my go to thing. And and think I we have INSP in our in our Dish Network program. Yeah. Um, and and they seem to run Gunsmoke close to twenty four seven. Not close sure. enough. Not sure. close enough. But they do work in some rawhide, and then unfortunately wagon train. Wagon train is not worth watching. Right. But. <laughs> But I right. did recently see uh, Robert Vaughn on The Virginian. So, Fantastic. Uh, and, and people who don't know about The Virginian, it doesn't get rerun much because it was a 90-minute episode. Very strange show. Oh, wow. I didn't even know that. Yeah, so it's really wow. hard to package as reruns. So if, yeah. if you see it, uh, it's pretty good. But Robert Vaughn is awesome, especially as an alcoholic. Oh, sure, sure. Now, what else is, who else have you been spotting uh, uh, lately, some of the other ones that you've posted? A lot of Leonard Nimoy as an Indian. Uh. Well, I wonder why that would happen. I, 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 and this is pre-Star Trek. So Yes, yes. This yeah. is pre-Trek. Yeah, pre, what yeah. is that, 66. But recently saw Leonard Nimoy on, on Rawhide, which was pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah as an Indian. Cool. I actually, and every now and then, he's like the fourth bad guy in a gang. <laughs> uh. <laughs> that must be fun, too, because I love that, too. Like, you know, like watching uh, Twilight Zone just over the weekend. The episodes that I caught in the background, there's somebody, and you go, "Oh my God, look who look who that is!" And look who they're like, "Oh my God, there's Barry Nelson," and there's the, you know what I mean, people like that. And it's it's a blast to do that. And I love the fact that you post that stuff on your on your social media. I think that's hilarious and awesome. Yeah, I, I enjoy it, and it sort of validates that I'm doing something other than just sitting around watching TV. Well, sure, you're not going to do anything in downtown Palatine. That's for right. sure. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, Tom, always a pleasure. What are we looking forward to next time? Can we do, uh, I mean, you're going to be talking about, well, I mean, the next time that you're on will be the first Tuesday in um, February, so that'll be before the Chicago Auto Show, correct? Yeah, it'll be before the Chicago Auto Show, after CES, so we will have okay. news about the uh, the Ram EV pickup. Okay, great. Always a pleasure, Tom. It's always a blast to talk to you, man. Um, you too. It's always, it's always you too. great. Consumer Guide Automotive. Check out consumerguide.com and check out the Daily Drive blog. Tom, we'll talk to you next month, buddy. Take care. Sounds good. Thanks. Okay, man. See ya. There you go. There's a Tom Appel. Oh, he's the best. So much fun to talk to him about cars and the most knowledgeable car guy on the planet. That's what I, I love having Herb and I love having Tom on because they're the smartest guys in the world. Uh, on their uh, you know on their subjects uh, nobody knows more about consumer works than herb nobody knows more about cars than tom and so uh, another uh, for the people episode in the books thanks to those guys and now it's time to hear a joke from my dad oh, it's the best part of the week baby it's time to hear something funny here we go with your music intro ah! it's a jokey 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 time it's a jokey 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 time nick's dad tells a joke what I say? It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. It's a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad tells a joke. Oh, yeah!
That's right. Time for my dad to tell a joke. All right. It is, uh, it is a Tuesday. That means my dad stops by to tell a joke. Uh, even on the Four of the People episodes, my dad's going to tell a joke. What do you think, Carrie? Hi, I'm Carrie Russell, and I love Nick's show. And Nick's dad's jokes. All right, Dad, go ahead. Spiders are the most intelligent beings. They get information off the web. That was jokey, jokey, jokey time. It was a jokey, jokey, jokey time. Nick's dad told a joke. A little tech joke. My dad getting all current. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Dad. By the way, if you want to see my dad, 81-year-old dad, telling jokes live at Zany's, you got to go. Uh, it's fantastic. He killed the last time he did it. Thank you, Dad, uh, for that joke. And uh, everybody, you need to come out uh, to Zany's in Rosemont on January 17th. That's a Tuesday night, 847-813-0484, rosemont.zanies.com. Get your tickets now. Let's pack the place. We're going to have a great time. You'll be a part of a recording of the live podcast, and you'll get to see my dad tell a joke, all that and more. Please come out. My thanks to my dad. My thanks to Herb. My thanks to Tom for a For the People episode. Coming up on the next podcast on Friday, the entire episode is dedicated to the movies of 2022, the best, the worst. The film year of 2022 will be summed up by me, by Eric Childress, and by Steve Procopi. We might go a little bit long that day, but there were a lot of things that we wanted to talk about and lots of great movies and lots of bad movies. It's going to be fun. The Year in Movies, that's the next podcast right here. So make sure you check us out. Be a sponsor. Hey, contact us. Say, hey, we would like to be a sponsor. Sales at RadioMisfits.com. Leave your voicemail messages 24-7. We listen to all of them and play a lot of them back. 773-417-6948. Drop us an email with your thoughts and your comments and your messages, your uh, megaphone message requests, nickdpodcast at gmail.com. And thank you, and we will see you next time right here on the Nick D Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The wind is right on me.